Good morning, I'm Allison Michaels from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, February 16th. In today's news, a deadly cold snap shuts down the central U.S. with Texas as ground zero. And Parler is back online more than a month after a tangle with Amazon knocked it off. But first, the big idea. The Washington Post analyzed government data to find that state and local governments have shed 1.3 million jobs since the pandemic began last year. That's a loss of more than one in 20 government jobs. The Post's Alyssa Fowers and Rachel Siegel report that while tax revenue grew in some states last year, at least 26 states were hit with declines. Revenue fell by 10 percent or more in five states, including a 43 percent drop in Alaska and a 10 percent decline in Florida. The toll was felt in both Republican-led states and Democratic-led ones. Rescuing struggling state and local governments has been at the center of Congress's months-long debate over how to address the economic upheaval caused by the pandemic. Republicans oppose the idea, calling it a, quote, blue state bailout that would reward poor local financial management. Democrats say that without this help, state and local governments could turn into a drag on an already slow economic recovery. The $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package making its way through Congress includes $350 billion in aid to state and local government. Meanwhile, the financial strain has already forced some local officials to cut services to weigh tax increases or to find other cost-saving measures in order to balance their budgets. One example of this is in Dayton, Ohio. As the pandemic seized the U.S. economy, the city of Dayton offered its 1,800 city employees voluntary separation plans. More than 100 took the offer. To get through this budget cycle, Dayton's police and fire departments aren't recruiting new classes in 2021, and funding for capital projects has been slashed. Democrats say that the longer it takes state and local governments to recover, the longer the overall economy will take to fully heal. And all of this matters because state and local governments are large employers. Plus, public sector jobs also historically take longer to rebound from a recession than private sector ones, even when there isn't a public health crisis. During the Great Recession, local governments tightened their belts in ways that took much longer to undo, even years after the private sector had fully bounced back. By March 2014, the private sector had regained and surpassed the number of jobs it had in March 2008. It took four more years, though, for state and local governments to return to near 2008 employment levels. It slowed down the pace of the overall recovery. And what's more, now in 2021, states that rely on industries most affected by the pandemic are taking some of the hardest blows. In Alaska, which relies heavily on the oil and gas industries, tax revenue plunged more than 40 percent between March and December of 2020, compared with the same period the previous year. Tax revenue in North Dakota fell 11 percent. And as spending on tourism and travel dried up, Hawaii's tax revenue fell 17 percent. And still, there's one area that's been hardest hit across all states. Cuts to education spending make up almost half of all the job losses. On the local level, public education accounted for just over half of job losses. And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. Number one, 
central and southern parts of the country have been faced with dangerously low temperatures not seen in decades and a blast of snow and ice which has shut down population centers in multiple states. The Post's Andrew Friedman, Matthew Capucci, Kim Belware, and Merrill Cornfield report that the excessive cold has sent energy demand skyrocketing. In Texas, 3.8 million customers were without electricity as of 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Monday. Overnight Monday into Tuesday was one of the state's coldest nights on record, with most areas falling to the single digits or lower. The Weather Channel reported that at least one person, a homeless man in Harris County, had died from suspected exposure to the cold. Sunday night, Texas was blitzed by snow and ice, causing nearly impossible driving conditions and hundreds of vehicle accidents. Officials urged residents not to travel, as social media videos proliferated of cars and trucks sliding down roads and out of control. Houston's Bush Intercontinental and Hobby Airports were closed, and all flights out of Austin Bergstrom International Airport were also canceled Monday morning. For the first time, the entire state of Texas had been placed under a winter storm warning on Sunday. These warnings for hazardous amounts of ice and snow expanded Monday to cover all of Arkansas, most of Louisiana, Mississippi, and western and northern Alabama. It also extended northeast through much of the Tennessee and Ohio valleys. In Texas, officials have warned that people may die of hypothermia and carbon monoxide poisoning from improper use of generators. The economic toll on agriculture could be staggering, with meteorologists in the insurance industry expecting this event, which should go through the end of the week, to end with a billion-dollar cost. Houston's Intercontinental Airport dipped to 17 degrees early Monday, the coldest reading observed there since December 23, 1989. Farther north, wind chills early Monday plunged as low as minus 40 and minus 50 in parts of Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. And now back to Texas. In Austin, the extreme weather conditions have caused chaos. Closed schools, unplowed streets, long stretches of power outages, and shockingly cold temperatures. In parts of Dallas, residents lost both power and water due to frozen pipes. Extreme cold is expected to last into Tuesday afternoon. Number two. Parlor is back online following several weeks of darkness after the social media site, popular with supporters of former President Donald Trump, was knocked offline. Parlor effectively fell off the internet in January when Amazon refused to provide technical cloud computing support to the site after the tech giant determined Parlor was not doing enough to moderate and remove incitements to violence. I should note here that Amazon founder and chief executive Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. My colleague Rachel Lerman reports that the Parlor site was not fully functional on Monday. Some users reported technical glitches as they tried to log in and refresh feeds. Private messaging was disabled, but the basic outline of the site was live. Parlor, which said it had more than 12 million users when it was knocked offline, became especially popular with pro-Trump supporters last year and emerged as a common place to discuss baseless election fraud claims after Trump lost the November 2020 election. The tipping point for many of its partners to pull technical support came after the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, when users on Parler glorified the riot. Apple and Google both removed the app from their app stores, making it nearly impossible for new users to download the app. Then Amazon severed its hosting service from Parler, effectively turning off the lights. The companies cited Parler's lax moderation policies against calls for violence. 
Parler did not immediately respond to the Washington Post's request for a comment about its return or its hosting service. Parler did appear to be using a Los Angeles-based cloud hosting company called SkySilk to return online. Now, Parler long prided itself on allowing users free speech in pretty much any legal form and regularly rallied against big social media sites, including Twitter and Facebook, for what they called over-moderating what users posted online. It got an initial boost of high-profile users, including Senator Ted Cruz, in summer of last year after Twitter started labeling Trump's post with fact checks. The social media site was known as a friendly spot for conservative pundits and supporters who were fed up with, quote, censorship on other social media apps. But after the election, Parler also became a breeding ground for misinformation about the vote and calls for violence in D.C. It has been a bumpy ride for Parler since the Capitol attack. After it was kicked offline, the site sued Amazon for that decision and launched a static webpage where it posted periodic updates about its efforts to come back online. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, February 16th. I'm Allison Michaels. Thanks so much for listening.